It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is CEO Alexander Willis. Alex is a native of Jacksonville, Florida, has a beautiful wife, Sabrina, and two young girls, Alexis and Aubrey. He has spent the last 15 years working with companies to improve the leadership culture within organizations, mostly in the building materials industry. His most recent company, Leadership Surge, values people, the process, focuses on a holistic, strength-based approach to leadership, and it's their mission to create a fun, innovative, and experiential learning environment for emerging leaders. Alex Willis, welcome into the corner office. Brent, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love the work that you're doing. Love the people that you bring on and the value that you bring to uh, to the world. Well, thank you so much, Alex. And it's just great to have you here. And we always like to start the pod with a little bit about the early years. Tell us about those, where you grew up and, you know, what your early family life was like. Well, I, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I grew up in uh, what some would consider the inner city. And so yeah. for, for me, um, just a different environment. I didn't get a chance to see a lot of uh, business working professionals uh, in, in my area. My role model uh, was definitely my mom and my dad. I got a chance to see them mm. really uh, go from bottom, such as, you know, working in the warehouse or working as the yeah. clerk to uh, my mom finishing finally as the uh, college president uh, for the community wow. college. And so to see that journey was amazing. Uh, she instilled in me to uh, be able to, to really pursue your goals, uh, but then to stay true to who you are. So I got a chance to see that in the midst of chaos. And so that's mm. really where I got my drive and motivation and then excitement and inspiration, and I'm sure. Oh, big time. Yes, sir. Big time. <laughs> brothers and sisters, Alex? I, I do. So I have uh, three brothers. Uh, so my mom was the queen of the castle. She grew up with, with a rough madhouse of uh, three <laughs> boys and I'm the oldest son. And so oh, wow. uh, I got a chance to set the example in sports and in school and those kinds of things. So definitely a lot of awesome. fun. Awesome. Well, you've got a great sports career. We're going to touch on that too, but really looking forward to getting to leadership surge and hearing more about that. Uh, we met through C12, uh, I guess back in early May of 19, uh, 2019. I uh, had a chance to really experience your wonderful mentoring and leading of that whole organization. Uh, tell us a little bit about your journey with Christ. When, when did you get to know him and, and how? what role did he play in your upbringing? Man, a huge role for me. Um, yeah. So I accepted Christ in eighth grade, uh, went oh, to a fantastic. summer camp 
and uh, got a chance to, uh, my summer counselor introduced me to Christ, and that was my start. And, and I mean, you talk about on fire. I mean, I came back from, from that camp and uh, just super excited about the Lord, and super excited about introducing him to other kids. And so my journey from middle school through high school uh, really kind of set me up for where I am today. I mean, I would wake up at uh, six in the morning to go to the local radio station to uh, had a kind of a show there on that local station to talk wow. to other kids about Christ and uh, <laughs> we'll pray with them before going to school in the morning. And so uh, it was just a really cool journey. I, like I said, I got really excited and it was really cool to be in the inner city and to be an athlete uh, and, and excited about Christ. And so it brought this cool factor to it as well, just kind of being yeah. comfortable in my own skin and uh, different, but, but really cool. And as a result of that, I got a chance to lead several friends to Christ. Uh, I was heavily involved in um, um, uh, FCA, Fellowships of Christian Athletes. And we would have meetings at my home for our team and and for different sports teams at uh, Reebok High School. And so uh, that really sparked my journey. And uh, it it is who I am today. And so because of that, it, it really kept me away from uh, a lot of the danger and things that some of my friends right. got into just because yeah, I was yeah. excited about church. I was excited about practicing sports. And as a result of that, I was able to keep focus uh, for for those early years growing up. That's awesome. Gosh, what a godsend. Literally. Uh, what about your parents? Were they believers? Yeah, they, they were. So, I mean, my yeah. mom, Brent, man, I mean, mom and dad. So my dad's a pastor of a church. So I'm a PK. Uh, nice. pastor's kid. And so uh, I lived at church, you know, sometimes to, to not to my liking <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Like, you can go either way with that. I know a lot of PKs who went astray. So good news is you, you stayed close. So, so I stayed <laughs> close and now I'm thankful for that, but uh, didn't always want to be there, but I'm glad that they had me there at church quite often, as well as doing yeah. a lot of speaking and things and developing into who I am today. And so I owe them a lot also for right, just having right. me in front of audiences early on in my uh, in my childhood, and it helped me to develop into the guy that I am today. Fantastic. You mentioned mom and dad. Who are some of the other early folks that inspired you as you grew up? So several people. Um, one is one of my early coaches that I had by the name of Coach Frank mm. Henderson. And uh, this happened to be when I was in uh, maybe the fifth grade. Uh, and so... Before accepting Christ, he was uh, my baseball coach uh, for several oh, wow. years uh, at the local park. And he would uh, he was a deacon in his church, and he would have us come to church with him. He would pick us up, and we would pray at practice and those kinds of things. And so yeah. I got a real chance to see what it looked like to be an athlete or be a coach and still, you know, to, to love and serve Christ. And so that was yeah. huge for me uh, growing up. And then I think the next era for me was— uh, the FCA, uh, Tom Kubek for, from FCA in high school okay. really began to mentor me and help me see what it looked like to disciple others. And so he right. challenged me in my faith uh, growing up as a kid to really begin to do that. And then I think as I, as I handed it over to college, when I got here to college uh, at the University of Florida, uh, Brent, there were two people who really helped inspire me. And that one was um, Danny Warfel, uh, who was the quarterback okay. when I was there at the University of Florida, won the national, won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, I remember that name. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, so Danny was 
a, a great guy. I got a chance to see what it looked like to be a superstar at a, a mega level, winning the national championship, winning the Heisman Trophy, but still being humble and still being a servant of Christ. And I had never yeah. seen that before, which was awesome to see. Fantastic. Wow. What terrific touch points. Um, what kind of a student were you? Did, were, were grades important to you or was sports kind of took the priority? Mom was an educator, so grades were tremendously important. Mom was saying to me, uh, Brent, if you didn't get the grades, I don't care about sports. I'll snatch you off the team. <laughs> so, uh, you know, she even threatened after that freshman year at UF to, to come get me if the grades didn't come up. So uh, right. she was definitely on me uh, with that, with her being educated, which today I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we know that you excelled in football, and we'll we'll touch on your uh, NFL career in a few moments. But uh, what other sports did you pursue? You you, you talked about baseball. Were you an all a, a man for all seasons, so to speak? Play all sports. I all, was a man all for all seasons, and, yeah. and actually uh, better in baseball. So uh, I was a baseball ah. player, ran track, um, and, and football. Those were my my sports. And so yeah. for the majority of my life, I played baseball. End up stopping my my uh, junior year uh, because I knew I was going to the University of Florida, so I focused more on track and just kind of right. working on my speed. But uh, my my first love was baseball, and that that's still my love huh. to this day. Yeah, fantastic. What were your uh, your uh, track uh, events? Um, I was a, 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 a um, quarter and a eight hundred man, so I was half okay. miler and a, a, you know and a quarter. Good, good condition to become a wide receiver. <laughs> Mid-distance, and so you're dreading it every time it's time for your race, you know, to come on the track. But uh, it's definitely good, as you said, for a wide receiver to have, be able to hold and maintain speed for longer periods of time. Anything else that you had time for? You know, music, theater, drama, or did sports and the church really keep you busy? That kept me busy. You know, sport, yeah. uh, the, the only other love that I had, was, uh, which the Lord is bringing back into my life, and I'm excited about that right now, of uh, art. So I was an ah. a artist and uh, loved drawing, loved cartooning. And uh, that was kind of my, my pastime when I was home, if I wasn't at practice or church and kind of uh, strayed away from that a little bit. But, you know, it's coming full circle back into my life now. And I'm excited about it. Nice. Great. Any entrepreneurial things that you got involved with as a kid? You know, did you have the paper route or get involved in, you know, selling stuff to the community or, or not so much your thing? I did. So, I mean, I had a paper. Yeah. I, I tell, I, I was jokingly <laughs> telling my kids I was up at 4.30 several yep. days out of the week, yep. uh, you know, throwing papers. And, and so I, I had that and that really helped me mold that mold me into the guy that I am today from a business Absolutely. standpoint, because you, you have responsibility, you're tired, it's raining, you still have to get it done. And and you had to go and collect the subscriptions too. Is it those it, sell them and collect them? Yes, sir. Knock on doors and yeah, pick up get the customer service experience, right? Today all the paper outs, you know, it's all paid online. I think that's a that was a big part of it for me anyway, learning how to deal with people at the front door. Sometimes they were a little grumpy. I, I agree one hundred percent. And I I'll tell you this as a side note, my daughter um actually does that now. My nine year old, so she she's ah. a serial entrepreneur. So she sells That's anything nasty. from bubble gum to, to lemonade and she's fearless. She goes knocking door to door and she she loves 
Uh, even the rejection, she said, oh, dad, that's just one. No, I'll go to the next door. And so uh, she's learning <laughs> at a young it. age, which is awesome. Uh, an entrepreneur in the making. Well, it sounds like the DNA is passed along there. It is passing along, my friend. <laughs> what about uh, college? Did you do some work during there? I can imagine sports probably kept you pretty busy, but uh, were there odd jobs? Did you have to kind of work your way through college as well? I did. So my story is a lot different than a lot of players. Um, I wasn't a superstar player in college. I mean, my team, we were star studded. And so I actually walked on at the University of Florida. I was going to say, well, did you go for baseball and then switch to football? Or? Actually, no. uh, I went for academics. So I went to the University okay. of Florida uh, on a on an engineering scholarship. Um, wanted to be a oh. chemical engineer. That was kind of wow. my goal. And so yeah. um, my mom and dad told me, you know, they didn't have a ton of money for me to go to college. But uh, I had about two years of, of engineering scholarship money that would last me. And it was my decision to decide what I wanted to do at that point. And so I knew hmm. that either I had to, to come up with an academic or athletic scholarship to cover the rest of college. And right. the Lord just opened up some doors and uh, athletics really took off for me. And uh, my second year there, I was running out of money. And uh, Coach Steve Spurrier had been watching me uh, in practice for two and a half years. And Lo and behold, he said, you know what, Alex, we're putting you on scholarship. And uh, probably one of the happiest ah. days of my life, running to that locker room to call my mom and dad to tell them, uh, man, I'm on full scholarship. The rest of college is paid Fantastic. for by the University wow. of Florida. So true wow, Cinderella story with that. <laughs> I love it. And did you stick with engineering or did you switch over at some point? I switched oh. over. So here's what happened. Uh, I tell people all the time, uh, as my playing time increased, my study time decreased. And um, yeah. I, I started eyeing the NFL and and really realized that chemistry was kicking my behind. And so mm. uh, I switched to business. And for me, uh, at the time, uh, I didn't understand that that was the right decision. But now looking back, it was the best decision of my life yeah. uh, because yeah. I'm not necessarily the chemist who sits behind the counter doing you know that kind of stuff. I'm more of a people person and uh, I love business. And uh, it was definitely a great choice. So was that first job out of college, the NFL? It was. That was the first job. My first, that was, <laughs> yeah. Man, what a first Not job. Everybody right? can say what that. What a first job. What a first job. Were you drafted? How, how did you know, tell us a little bit about that experience? So that was a, that was another tough experience as well. Uh, I wasn't drafted. Uh, my senior year in, in college, uh, I was excited about that year, thought that was supposed to be my breakout year. Uh, third game of the year, end up with a high ankle sprain and missed the rest of the year. And so uh, as a result of that, I was a free agent, picked up as a free agent by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so uh, I had to grind my way out there, you know, so it was really back to the drawing board again of kind of being a walk on like I was in college and really having to fight your way to uh, show that you could play and, and, and go from there. And so that was my journey in the NFL. Uh, never really been a superstar, but there practicing on the practice squad, being a part of that team, getting a chance to see that culture. And after about a year, end up getting cut from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then I bounced around a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. And finally, I, I, to be honest, I just lost the love of the game, lost the love yeah. of the game. I saw how uh, the NFL definitely is a business. 
I jokingly tell it is, and I tell people it stands for not for long. NFL does stand for not for long. <laughs> not for long. And so you have to be prepared for something else, my friend. Yeah. But it was a great experience because there I met another great mentor, which was Coach Tony Dungy. And so you talk about a great man of faith, that allowed me to see a person at the highest level in athletics and still a man of character. We would have Bible studies on Wednesdays, and there was a small group of players, but Coach Tony Dungy was always there, which was amazing to see. And I want to share this one story, if I can, really quickly about him. Well, he even, even in cutting me, he was gracious, and I got a chance to see the, 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 the power of the Lord in that. So he called me into his office, and um, usually the head coach does not meet with players when they cut them. Usually it's player personnel when you're getting cut. But um, kind of like HR and kind of like right? HR. Yep, the CEO never <laughs> the CEO never sees just HR who lets right. you go. Know, right, that's how it normally is in the NFL. But um, Coach Tony Dungy wanted to meet with me, and so we sat down wow. and we talked in his office, and we sat down maybe maybe ten minutes. You know, and he just said, "Hey, Alex, you know, uh, with the numbers and with what we have going on here, it's it's not a fit here for us to uh, continue to have you here on our team." He said, "But you and I both know that the Lord has amazing mm. plans for you." And I would wow. never forget that conversation. And uh, I walked out hurt and disappointed, but not upset with him at all. I still saw yeah. the grace and the favor that he had and even how he let me go and released me and still said, hey, you know what? The Lord has amazing plans for you. And so I held on to that for years saying, you know what? The Lord has amazing plans for me. Maybe it's not football, but he has amazing plans for me. And so really, well, really cool to see that. Yeah, let's continue that journey. You know, there's no question when a door closes, a window opens. So, so what window did you fly fly through? What what you know? What was the next step in your journey? Well, it was it was really really tough for me because now it was time to get a real job, as I said. Right. You know, and um, but you had your degree, had my degree in business, but didn't really know uh, what I wanted to do. And so, my first right. job coming out of the NFL, you talk about humbling. Uh, I'm putting my resume out everywhere and, and and no one's really biting on it, to be honest with you. Mm. And uh, at that time, I had proposed to my wife, Sabrina. So we were getting married soon. And my first job out of the NFL was uh, waiting tables at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> wow. And was that in Jacksonville? It was or in, in my hometown in Jacksonville. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. you can imagine. So there was a few people that recognized oh, you, right? a ton of people <laughs> that recognized me. That was, that was tough. That was an ego blow. Very, very difficult, but much needed. Much needed for yeah. the development of what God was doing in me. Um, I, I needed that, and I wouldn't change that for the world. And so did that for about a year. Right. And then from there, uh, that's when I, you know, uh, started getting some other uh, interest in me. And so I went to do uh, life insurance sales for a little while with Northwestern Mutual for about five Which years. Which is my insurance company. Great company. Oh, that's I've, my I've, insurance I've, company I've as well. A, I've had a Northwestern agent for over 30 years, believe I it or not, Alex. I love so it. You picked a good company. There. I've had one for over 15. <laughs> so I'm with you on that right. there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And so learned a lot from there. I think any young person, you should get into that business because it teaches you to cold call. It teaches you how to sure. sell, uh, especially right. if you're passionate about people. And so did it for about five years. Oh, good for you. And really enjoyed it. But ultimately, you know, um, wanted to get into pharmaceutical sales. And so okay. um, got into pharmaceutical sales and worked with Eli Lilly um, for about uh, five, five more years there doing pharmaceutical sales. And in the process of doing that, 
I remember it like it was yesterday. I was sitting in a doctor's office and watching little kids as I, as I was waiting to go back and see the doctor, they were watching Shrek. And they yeah. were just so fascinated with the movie Shrek. And I remember coming home and telling my wife, saying, babe, I think I want to resign from Eli Lilly and start a medical animation company educating kids on disease states through animation, through animated stories and songs. Wow. Well, that that was a very specific dream. It was, wasn't it? You talk about it. Oh, man. And so uh, Sabrina was on board with it. And so I tell you, saved up. And about six months later, I resigned and started after this dream, which was awesome. Wow. So so were you in a management position before you left or had you just been a sales, in, in, you know, individual? Just, just in sales and individual uh, before leaving. Yeah, got it. Got it. So so how does leadership surge fit in? Was that kind of the beginnings of it there with that? Because I know you did some work in the uh, building materials industry as well. And I know you've been focusing in that area. Yes. And so what, what ended up happening there, uh, my, my animation studio, we moved to Pretoria, South Africa. And we started, we had oh, a partnership. Wow. I know we, if you're going to do it, do it big, my friend. Don't, don't, don't go small with Alex. Lewis. That's a go part big. of your story I was not aware of. Go I love big that. or go home. I mean, and so <laughs> I moved to Pretoria, South Africa. I had investors on board and we raised some capital and went and partnered with the University of Pretoria and uh, just had a, a, a build a team there in South Africa uh, doing wow. medical animation for PBS. And so we started yeah. working on this project. We were pitching to PBS. And I tell you, everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and, and most why, of that- Just out of curiosity, why did you pick South Africa? Well, I, I met some friends online at the time. Yeah. And they we were working together for about a year. And the University of Pretoria has an amazing animation program. Oh, and so right. I was okay. able to partner and hire six students to work with me. And so in the process of doing that, we were raising more funds. And so talking with my investors, we thought it was a great idea for me to go over uh, and just kind of manage that project a little closer. And so that's why mm. we moved to that's why I moved to Pretoria, South Africa. And so how long did you and the family stay over there? Well, that's the challenge. I did not. I did it all wrong. One, the family didn't come with me. It was me by uh-huh. myself, which is a challenge to yeah. never do that again. Um, yeah. And then the second piece is I went over there with the American way. Not understanding their Mm. culture, their style. And so, as I said, uh, I learned a lot about leadership from doing it the wrong way. And ultimately, I found myself uh, out of money, investors backed out, stuck in South Mm. Africa, wondering how I was going to get back home. And everyone in the office only speaking Afrikaans because everyone was upset with Alex. Wow. So it was challenging. Very, very challenging. Um, One of the toughest times of my life. Mm. Uh, just because you, you, you see a dream shatter, you know, and you're kind of stuck, you're away from family, you're by yourself. But that's the one place in my life, Brent, that for the first time ever in my life, I really learned that you could live on the word of God. And mm. so every day I would read scripture and scripture would actually come alive to me to get me through that wow. day. And I had never experienced that before. I had read scripture before and it was okay, but never really hearing that small, still voice from scripture resonate, resonating with me throughout the day to get me through these tough situations. And and for me, it was definitely a faith building process in the midst of me tearing it up, but God still saying, Hey son, I'm with you and I'm for you. So how did you finally work your way back? 
Well, I cut a deal with uh, one of the parents of my employees to uh, take me back to Johannesburg. Uh, uh, I had some family and friends uh, wire and send money for me to get back to the States. And so uh, got back to the States. And the first day back, I had already enrolled in a master's program to understand everything that I had done wrong in business. <laughs> back to the basics, right? Back to the basics. I'm going back to the drawing yeah. board on this one. And so uh, yeah. went back to school and learned a lot of the challenges that I faced mm. uh, in South Africa and why I did it wrong. And so that's really uh, where I began to learn about leadership and what it means to be a true leader and not necessarily a dictator. And from there, begin to develop, you know, my own philosophy and thought process of what it means to be a leader and how you can become a great leader. And so in the process mm. of doing that, uh, still struggled a lot. So, I mean, a lot of ups and downs in between there uh, because of the South Africa deal, uh, end up foreclosing on a home. Uh, didn't We lost everything, you know, because everything was kind of wrapped and tied up into that us sure. making that yeah. deal work. And so was just really struggling, just saying, okay, Lord, where are we now? What are we doing? And uh, just had a real peace that God was with us and for us, even though it was Mm. tough and challenging. And so the one thing I did during that time, uh, couldn't really run a company well because I clearly had run that one in the ground. But the one thing that I could do really well was raise money. And so uh, I called my university, the University of Florida back and uh, needed a job. And so they hired me. They said, hey, you know what? This kid can raise some money. Let's bring him into the fundraising department. Ah, OK. Did some development work for them. huh? Hmm. Yes, sir. Did some development work and uh, really honed in on my skills there. Learned a lot from uh, successful men and women who had run business. So I would go out and do development, but also learn from them, learn from mm-hmm. them as to what mm-hmm. they've done, how they did it. And it was just a great opportunity for me to grow in that process. And so in that process, actually, uh, one of my buddies, he runs the, uh, the the Tax Slayer Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. And during the bowl season of this college bowl games, they bring in both teams to do this college lunching. And uh, they bring in a lot of the, uh, the the business execs in the community. And so it's probably right. usually about a thousand people that sit there in those lunches as those teams talk to each other before they face off on that Saturday. And so my buddy uh, had someone cancel on him and he needed someone to do the invocation. So he called me out of the blue and said, Alex, can you come do the invocation for me? I need a former athlete who knows hmm. how to pray. Can you come do it? And um, I said, sure, man, no problem. I would love to. And so... Brent, I went and I I did that and I uh, did the invocation. And when I got off the stage, as I walked off the stage, a gentleman by the name of David Long, who happened to be the the president of a company called uh, Miller Electric. Uh, He was the president of a company called Miller Electric in Jacksonville, Florida, a really large electrical contractor. And he said, hey, son, I know you know nothing about electrical work, but I think you can help lead our company to the next level with our wow. frontline leaders. And I would love to talk huh. to you about coming in to develop and create a program. And so uh, I was blown away by that. And so I, wow. I was excited about that and the opportunity to really uh, almost redeem myself from a leadership standpoint uh, right, with, with, right. with the lessons that I've learned. And so 
And you never given up an op- never given up an opportunity to say an invocation again. It, never right? again. Anytime, <laughs> <I listen. laughs> Anytime you did that well in Atlanta when we met. Yes, That's yes, sure. yes. I am ready to do it at any given time. Any given time, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to pray. I'm ready to pray. That's fantastic. Well, what would you say is some of the key leadership lessons that you took away from you know those years in South Africa before we transition to your uh, your building materials space, which I'm anxious to hear about? Well, I would say number one is understanding um, the culture, the culture of people, yeah. uh, and right. not just assuming that everyone does things your way. Yeah. Uh, that was huge for me. Not understanding the relaxed environment of South Africa. And how they sure. work, it's not, uh, they, they enjoy family, they enjoy time off, they enjoy breaks during the day. And uh, that wasn't or isn't the American way per se. Yeah, much more a European approach in that regard. And yeah. so that yeah. was one. The second was um, really being a servant leader. Mm. At, at that point in time, I wasn't a servant leader. I was. It was all, you know, grind, grind, grind. We got to get it done. And so uh, I wasn't serving the people and, and, and looking beyond their uh, talent and skill of uh, becoming human. And so I would say being human mm. is definitely huge uh, and, and being empathetic uh, with people, being caring for them and understanding that they have lives outside of work and that, you know, the work is just the work and it's, it's not that important, truth be told, in the big scheme of things. That's and so right. understanding that helped me really begin to create uh, what I have today, which ultimately uh, empowers people, uh, encourages them, lets them know that you care about them and ultimately gets them on board with you to fulfill mm-hmm. vision because they're just excited to work alongside of you. So you went to uh, More Electric and did some leadership work with them. Is that, did that eventually lead to you founding Leadership Search? It did. So uh, the company uh-huh. is uh, Miller Electric. So, so, Miller. Yep, yeah, Miller, Miller. so Miller Electric, um, they were the start. They were the start. They, they started me out um, just testing some material out in, in some of their uh, their locations, and it took off. And so their CEO, Henry Brown, uh, and, and David Long, their president, really realized that we had something exciting here mm. uh, and that I was able to make a, a huge connection with the frontline leader. And so right. in construction- Were they it, mostly blue-collar uh, training? Blue or was all blue-collar, yeah. all blue-collar. Wow. Wow. And so they did yeah. something totally different. These two gentlemen really wanted to give the blue-collar frontline leader something that they had experienced that made a difference in their life, which was hmm. this executive-style coaching to help you both at work and at home. And wow, so they they challenged yeah. me with that to go and do that with about a thousand leaders within their company. And it was it took off hook line. It was, I mean it was uh it was like hook line and sinker. It was hmm. amazing how the frontline leader who had not experienced some of these things just because, you know, sometimes they go straight from high school into the trades. and Sure, right. They'd never had any post-college training or anything. Exactly. Yeah. As well as I'm a firm believer that we become who we hang around and what we see. And sometimes if you're never around um, uh, uh, some of the things such as connecting with family, uh, embracing family time and, and separating from work, you just build a mentality that work, work, work is what you do and you provide and that's it. And right. so we really did a great job of uh, working with Miller uh, to create an, an environment to show frontline leaders what it looks like to be a great leader, both at work and at home. Mm. 
And it was amazing. And, and I'm still with Miller today. I still do a lot of work oh. with Miller today. Their client, they've been a client for years. And uh, they told me jokingly, but hopefully, hopefully they weren't joking that I have a a, a, a contract for life. And so I'm excited. Oh, they said, as long as the value that you bring us, as long as our men and women continue to grow and they love you and, and you do a great job loving them, we want you around, which is awesome. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. So, so did your company um, get founded soon thereafter or did you work with Miller exclusively for a while? Mm-hmm. So I, I worked with Miller exclusively for about a year. And right. from there, Miller is uh, real uh, at the cutting edge when it comes to electrical contracting. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. a lot of people begin to hear about it. Uh, yeah, and as right. a result, wow. people begin to call. And so oh, that's uh, fantastic. It, it was awesome. I tell you, it was awesome. And I, and I owe a lot to this gentleman, uh, Mr. David Long, who uh, was the president there because he set me aside and really began to talk to me about what uh, what was my vision, what did I feel God was calling me to do. He's a he's a, a man of faith and believes right. uh, and just just really leads that life and walks that lifestyle. And so he just said, "Hey, you know what's God calling you to?" And he really, to, even to this day, is a, still a mentor of mine. Uh, it just really coaches me up and helps me see the bigger picture of people and really making an uh, impact for Christ. And so uh, as a result, he began to help me with that. And I tell you, Brent, the company began to grow and expand. Started, We started really doing a lot of national speaking events at these mm. uh, trade shows, uh, such right, as right. the uh, America Contractors Association, uh, the, the National Electrical Contractors Association. Uh, we began to just speak at different organizations. And as a result, when you have CEOs in the audience, you know, from there, a lot of them, you know, come up and talk to you about coming to work with their companies. And there so yeah. we really found a secret sauce working with men and women, really caring for the frontline leader because that leader in the on the front lines had never really been trained before no. and, uh, yeah. like that. What and a so, unique opportunity. Yeah. Really, really unique. So we're, I'm excited. Uh, yeah. I tell people all the time that the Lord has called me to be the minister of construction. You know, and so uh, that's where I am. I I'm it. the minister of construction. <laughs> so, how old is the company today? How many years ago? So that was five years ago. That was five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. And how many employees today? And how many clients do you serve? So today, um, about thirty uh, thirty clients that we serve today. Um, and that's uh, nationally. And it, nationally, yes, yeah, that's nationally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it varies from time to time. We have some clients who are with us. You know, maybe three months. Uh, some who are with us longer, and right. so it expands. But about thirty is uh, our our, uh, our baseline there that we have. And as far as employees, we're small still. So we have uh, about seven internal that we work with, right. and then uh, contractors. We work with a lot of contractors sure. outside of sure. us so that we can scale right. as, as needed. Yeah, yeah, up and down. Oh, that's fantastic. And w- how would you kind of describe the company culture you've created, uh, Alex? Oh man, so I tell you. C12 has made a huge impact in my life mm. um, because it helped me create a, a, a Christ-centered culture that's first and foremost, uh, but then we really focus in on people. And, and, and it's amazing to see my team and how I get a chance to serve them, and in turn, they serve our customers well. I, I tell you, right. we have a young lady by the name of Allison Davis, who is our senior project manager, and she services all of our clients. And Brent, everybody loves Allison. I mean, <laughs> when I show up to do a training, they, they they rave about Allison and how she serves them, how she she loves on them. Super. 
And it just shows, and, and I, I tell her that all the time, how proud I am of her and how she's doing a phenomenal job with us. And she always relays it back saying, hey, listen, you show us how to do that by the way you treat us. And so right. as we're doing Fantastic. that, we're really setting up what we call uh, MEPS, which is mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And so we do mm. a MEPS check-in every, every Monday morning in our meetings. Where, where are you mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Mm. Uh, as well as we do about a five to seven minute Bible study. Uh, and that's the first part of our meeting. So, you know, the first part of our meetings is taken up with personal. How are you? Where are you? Followed by Bible study. And then we do the rest of the meeting catching up. Say, OK, what do we have going on this weekend? So as a result of that, it keeps all of our hearts and minds on a bigger picture and bigger calling. And so we really feel like God has called us to this industry to love men and women well. And so when things get stressful, we're able to look back and say, you know, is this what God is calling us to? Is this the right thing to do for the customer? Would mm-hmm. Jesus do it this way? Right, right. Well, we honor him and he honors us Him honors us right back. Yes, that mm-hmm. he does, my friend. Yeah. That he does. So are, do you do a lot of hiring? And, you know, if so, what do you look for when you're, you know, making bets on people you want to invest in? Well, I tell you this. Uh, we have a young lady that we we brought on board by the name of, of Carol Mettenbrink, and she's phenomenal. So Carol um, works with assessments, and so I'm a firm believer that the nerd in me, I'm a former football player turned nerd, Brent, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and so uh, my wife laughs all the time, like, oh, man, this guy just turned nerd on me, you know? And so uh, I love it, too. I love the data. I'm a junkie for it. And so what we typically do is um, when looking for someone, uh, we definitely give them that 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 TTI assessment, right? To right. see just yep. where where are the they? How would yep. they interact with me, with the customer, with with our team? You know, and that's not our sole basis on hiring, but we want to see are there right. any blind spots that we already need to be prepared for as we bring a person in. Um, yep. The next Very piece important. is we really check them out for our culture to see. Okay, well, do they have you know? our values and what we believe and what we stand for and how will they fit and how will they mesh in with that? And so those are the yeah. first. How would they respond to that MEPS meeting on Monday morning? You, you better believe it. Yes, sir. How would they, <laughs> will they, will, will they go for that or will they not? And so, it, right. it, you know, in the process of doing that, we're very selective in who we bring in just because a lot of times that doesn't work. And so, what we've learned to do is just kind of bring sometimes people in a, a, along for what, what we consider a ride along, but just to kind of check it out, especially with trainers, yeah. just come in and say, hey, you know what? We're going to pay you for the day. Come in and hang out with us and uh, we'll see it, it, see if you like what we do. See if you like what we do. What do you think about what we do? Very is this smart. something that yeah. you can see yourself doing? And ultimately, it's really saved us because. It's minimal money in compared to compared to a big mistake of hiring someone, training them, spending that kind of time, ultimately wasting time and money there. And so, the last piece that that we do is uh, as a, as a as a group, we talk a little bit about this book called The Unfair Advantage. And The mm. Unfair Advantage is a pretty cool book on business, but it talks about us as business owners uh, really leaning on the Holy Spirit, which is our unfair advantage. And, you know, that's yeah. pretty cool. And so for us, yeah. uh, we pray about it and each team member, we kind of go off and pray and say, okay, hey, what do you think about this? Let's come back and talk and see what we feel, how we think 
uh, what we feel that God is saying. And so uh, it's right. not me just kind of saying, hey, we're going this route. Let's go and do it. It's, it's really a team effort saying, hey, I feel this way. And I think I hear yeah. God. Exactly. Exactly. Totally collaborative with that. With that. And I think we could do that just because we're a small team and we're remote. And so it's building a lot of trust in people because we're all over the place. We, we don't have necessarily yeah. a, a central office. Uh, but everyone's working from home and we have places that we meet up to do, you know, uh, quarterly meetings or so to, right, to talk right. and go over things. But it's a lot of trust is it's, it's self self starters working on their own who are passionate about people and passionate about the places that God has called them to be. Well, Alex, I'm just fired up. This has been a terrific conversation, but we are almost out of time. But we have one last question that we ask every CEO that's joined us. And, you know, what's that career and life advice you'd give to someone in our audience that maybe has their eyes on the corner office or, or more specifically wants to be an entrepreneur like you? What would what, you tell them that uh, is important to do? Maybe someone that's 10, 15 years younger than you, but is aspiring to be just like you. Wow. Well, I'll say the, the, the best advice that I have for them is to focus on what my coach calls uh, the three B's. And that's mm. body, balance, being, and business. Mm. Most CEOs or most people going after the corner office, we spend about 80% of our life and time in that bottom B box of business. Right. Uh, and we tend to forsake the body, and that's working out, eating right, taking care of ourselves. Uh, yep. The balance is our family. That's the, the, the time with kids, time with spouse. And the being is our relationship with God. And so right. for years, mm. I spent all of my time in that business box and my coach taught me to reverse engineer my life, really begin mm. to focus on my being and my relationship with God, spending time with my family and, and, and working out and physically getting in shape uh, to have the energy and stamina to do that. And as a result, business happens kind of naturally sometimes and you have the energy yeah. to do yeah. it because physically you're in shape. You have those great connections at home and you feel great emotionally. Spiritually, you have this connection to God and you're, 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 you have this resiliency. Mm. And ultimately, whatever comes with business, you're able to handle that. I tell people all the time in our last, you know, my last you know, statement here, business is a horrible girlfriend to, to have because, <laughs> man, she is brutal at times with the ups and downs that come with that. And so if you put all your eggs in that one basket, uh, it's going to be challenging if that's your only identity. Well, Alex Willis, CEO of Leadership Surge, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for blessing the world and helping CEOs and senior leaders uh, hear other people share their story so that ultimately they can inspire all of us to continue to be great and to pursue what God has for us. Amen to that. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 